What's up, everyone? My name is Vice, and you are tuning in to a brand new episode of Writer's Block. First off, thank you to everybody who checked out the first episode of the show. It's been doing pretty well, and I've gotten a lot of really good feedback on it. So it's really nice to know that I'm doing something right, because I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. So today, I will be having my very first guest. He's the guy who did the artwork for the show, as well as some wicked artwork for my old band Fireglass back in the day. My guest today is Tucson's own Mr. Stevo. He's the creator and founder of the Blind Liberty Art Collective. So join us as we take a dive into his creative process, what inspires him, what mediums he loves to work with, what ones he hates to work with, and what he hopes to do next. It's going to be a fun conversation, so sit back, relax, and enjoy. So what's up, everybody? My name is Vice, and you are tuning in to a brand new episode of Writer's Block. I am sitting here today with Tucson's own Mr. Steve-O. You want to say hi? Hi. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do and stuff real quick before we get into these hard-hitting questions? Sure, absolutely. Okay, so uh, my name is Steve Martinez, uh, 27 years old. I own a uh, very loose <laughs> business, Blind Liberty Art Collective. Um, I have a website, all that shit. I make t-shirts, I make charcoal portraits, um, I do commissions, I do, uh, God, I do so much, I gotta stop doing so much. Um, well, we'll talk about it, but, uh, uh, yeah, by day I'm a welder slash fabricator, and by night I'm an artist, and that's, that's what I do, those are my passions. <laughs> That sounds a lot more exciting than me, man, being a kid, being a parent all the time. Oh, hey, you know, life is about variety and, you know, to me, and if I think my life is mundane, then, you know, it's all about perspective. I think, you know, being yeah, a dad uh, is pretty cool, yeah. That's fair, man. That's fair. I do. I have so many different things that I have going on, too, between just like aside from just this and like my regular work life and being a parent and I make music and then I do the whole Twitch thing and there's just... And even all that still feels like mundane at times. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. You, you really got to get an outsider's perspective of you and what you do as a person to really realize that you are doing so much. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. It takes a, a, a new perspective on it really helps kind of, I guess, put things in a perspective for you. Because if you're just going through the same motions of everything every day, it's not going to look like anything's different. Right. Yeah, and you don't notice any any sort of uh, you know improvement on any like personal projects, or you don't notice that you're improving either as a parent or as a person or as a, a craftsman or a musician, and it, it's all it all kind of just blends together, and you you, you don't yeah you you don't realize it. So it's nice yeah. to to kind of step back and 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 have a conversation with someone to realize that you are doing your best <laughs> so yeah all right man let's dive in here so i've got a series of questions for you i'm gonna try to get into the meat of what it is that makes you a creative person that you are cool juicy let's do it all right so first question 
um, what sort of things do you like to work with and like what, uh, like what mediums do you work with and what's your favorite one to work with? Okay. The medium that I started out with, uh, when I started seriously drawing 10 years ago was charcoal and regular printer paper. Uh, I think I different artist paper, like actual sketch paper and uh, charcoal and I have not looked back since that was the game changer for me um, that's kind of been my bread and butter and what I always fall back on I also do a lot of digital artwork which is fairly new to me I only had the iPad for about a year and a half and it's it, it changed my life I, I was always intimidated by digital media or, or, or a digital medium. Younger me was always so dismissive of it as an art form. I, I can very clearly remember high school me shitting all over graphic artists, saying it's not real art. It's you know it's just buttons on a computer. And having now a very good friend who does that as her career and what little I dabble in it, I realized that I was completely and I appreciate it a lot more now. But uh, yeah, other than paper and graphic design, I, I, re I really don't do much else. I'm a welder, so I believe I also have a, you know, I, I make artwork. I, I think I see it as artwork, even just heavy machinery. Um, I, I create flatbeds for industrial trucks and I, I make people's visions come to life or exceed their visions in real life through melting pieces of metal together to make something cool. That's pretty cool. Have you done like any anything else with the welding beyond beyond work? Have you tried making any kind of sculptures or anything yet? I don't have, you know, that's, that's the thing. I've made one bench. It was my final in uh, <laughs> in welding school. I made I made a bench. That was my final. After that, I no, I haven't. I don't have the space to do it. I wish I did. I do own a welder, but I just I I don't have the time or the space to do any welding outside of my. I God, I I, I scroll through the social medias and I see the actual welding sculptures that are out there. God damn it, so. <laughs> I've seen some really cool, um, some really cool sculptures of uh, a lot of like welding kind of stuff, and it looks, it looks like it would be so much fun to do. But I would not, like I myself would not even begin to know where at all to start with it. That's why I make music. Not to start with it either. Like I, I, I was looking at a sculpture of this, this dragon, and every scale, every single scale was made with sheet metal, just formed perfectly to layer over one and one another like if you've ever seen medieval armor and how it's riveted in order to of the the knight's foot just just to walk it, it was the same same concept everything was layered together perfectly and so tight and and perfect oh my god it was amazing uh just thinking about it so cool but yeah I, some some people have taken it to a new level and it's it's really inspiring to look at maybe someday i can do something as cool it's not I, I feel like it would be kind of like uh doing like a 3d puzzle kind of thing you know you just pick a spot and start and go from there and see what happens yeah much like legos
Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so is there any kind of, uh, of mediums with drawing or, or anything like that that you haven't worked with yet that you would want to, aside from, you know, welding, obviously? There are a couple. Um, I I did have one creative love to start with, and that was playing the violin. For 10 years, and then... Uh, my high school got rid of the orchestra program, and I was left without a... It was, and I tried mariachi. And I just wasn't, I wasn't having it. And then the instructor, he was, he had no desire to teach beginning students. So it, it was experience that I do not wish on anybody who pick up an instrument. Um, but I, I did my violin, I'm getting back into that. So I'm, I'm in the process of working with that again. Uh, specifically oil, my, my biggest inspiration is uh caravaggio uh he was a he was a he was an artist back i believe in the four he invented a which in hindsight now before i discovered who this guy is and before i perfected my white charcoal on black paper style i was doing the same thing that he was doing except he did it you know hundreds of years before me and <laughs> very very masterfully but he he does it in oil painting and that's something that intimidated me because i i don't know where to start and i think i think at some point i'd like to try to start yeah that that seems like a very uh that seems like a very all-encompassing process with just oil painting like even from not that kind of an artist perspective like myself that seems incredibly intimidating I, I I wouldn't I'd be afraid I feel like if I tried doing anything oil painting my daughter would be able to draw something better than me oh yeah I'm terrified I, I think about it all the time and I'm just like I, I'm, I'm scared of it I'm physically <laughs> like I'm physically scared to try it and I think as 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 good of, of an artist that I am on paper with a pencil I think I'd be absolute dog shit with a paintbrush and just full of paint in my hands and I wouldn't even know what to do with it there's the, it, there's so many in-depth techniques and just paint brushes and and paints and how to dilute the paint and how to how to prep your canvas i'm like oh my god it's 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 i can understand why people take years and years of of studying this one specific art form in order to master it so i mean well then again we we we, we have all the time in the world you know <laughs> yeah have you tried doing like, um, I saw something on Instagram once, it was like a, a blue ballpoint pen drawing and it was so ridiculously detailed and it looked so crisp and it was just so cool to see something that this person could do with, you know, this instrument, this this pen that's so, so permanent that like if you mess up on a spot, you have to start over again. Have you tried anything like that at all? Ballpoint pen drawing is something that I did in high school a lot. I love doing ballpoint pen drawing. Um, you, you, <laughs> uh, it's, it is a pain in the ass when you have this everyday use Bic pen and you're, you're shading something that's very light in tone, right? And then all of a sudden you're, the, the little roller ball at the end of the pen just gets a glob of ink on it. And all of a sudden, it smears onto the paper, and you're like, "Oh my God, why?" So I, I, I have, tr I, I do remember loving it, and I remember all the nightmares that came along with it. It's, it is unforgiving. 
it's so unforgiving. <laughs> how how forgiving are yourself? Are you with yourself when you're drawing and whatnot? And it comes to like a line gets off, or if you're doing like the thing where they rub their thumbs on the lines to kind of smudge it out and give it a little detail. Like how how forgiving are yourself? Are you with yourself when you make a mistake? Do you just like get all like you know flip the table over on Monopoly night, or are you just like oh, let's just start over? And I've grown to be very kind with myself with my artwork before I used to I, I am my own worst critic and that will always be the case but when it comes to small mistakes like that I I've gotten much better at hiding them and you wouldn't you wouldn't notice one of the reasons why I also enjoy white charcoal and black paper so much is because I can hide it so much easier than if I used black charcoal on white paper it's it's funny like a lot of a lot of people who i've talked to they they're like you know how does your brain work technically in reverse because instead of adding shadow like you would on on white paper you're adding all the light parts on black paper and it's it's the most forgiving form of charcoal that i've found but i don't tell a lot of people that but it's it is it's it's forgiving and I think that's one of the reasons why I've also been much more at ease with mistakes because I, I have the tools and the knowledge to hide them and deal with them. If Oh, okay. I see. Is that something that you just kind of learned uh, like over time or because I, I could see how doing it that way, like the way that you explained it with working in reverse with it, I can see how that would made it, make it easier to um, make it easier when it comes to approaching your, your, your black paper charcoal drawings. Is that is that something that you you had like pre in your head when you went into that or is that something you just kind of learned along the way i had to learn it along the way my my very first white charcoal drawing was terrible it was awful um i don't remember what it was that's how awful it was but <laughs> over i think it took me a good five tries to actually sit down and pay attention to it to where I, I realized I, I kind of was down in my head and hiding the mistakes you, you add little tricks to your, to your little artist tool bag every now and then and that that just comes with trial and error yeah do you do you have any of like your earlier like pieces of art like when you started doing this on a more professional level and like you go back to them and you're just like man holy shit i've come so far i do i absolutely do i keep uh the first portrait that i ever did it was black charcoal white paper and it was of mm, who was it it was it was some model uh was it something kawa kawaguchi i forgot what her name was but it was it was it was bad it was <laughs> there's there's no other way to say it it was just bad her forehead was too big her hair was stringy her eyes were off center her the only thing good about that drawing surprisingly was her smile that was the only thing that turned out good but i i do keep i've had i have years of sketchbooks that I have that sometimes I look through again and I, I 
I like to think, damn, like I've come a long way. Okay, I had a I had a moment like that in uh, in preparing for for creating this podcast. I was writing down like a timeline of like you know my life in in the music industry and whatnot so far to to make sure I nutshelled the most important parts. And I found old music from one of my old bands. Uh, it was called Tonight on Fire on on SoundCloud. We have like a five song EP that was. Whoa. And uh, dude, this was years, like years before before Fireglass. Um, and I listened to the recordings again just for like shits and giggles. As I don't know, I guess like a stroll down memory lane. And good God, dude, my voice is terrible. <laughs> like I think yeah. that lyric. Oh, it's a like lyrically i don't think i was bad back then i think lyrically i've gotten a lot better and like just singing wise in general my voice has changed so much but looking back and like listening to that it's like it's very cringy just how bad my voice was back then yeah oh god i've i've ex that sort of embarrassment just looking at a bunch of stuff that i've done too and no one knows that i've done them and they're kind of just for me to to remind myself that i will absolutely make mistakes and it's okay to not have everything look polished and perfect which is great have you ever released anything that you were very unsure about but to release it anyway i did yes i put out one song when i started doing my solo project again this one only exists on soundcloud too and i was like super proud of it when i first put it out and then i kept listening to it and i was just like oh dude i hate it i hate it so much but i put it out mostly just to kind of build up the uh I don't know confidence to like venture in <laughs> to to something different is you know my my side project is hip hop music and um and, and doing like fire glass and stuff you know I was a singer and a screaming vocalist and I I wanted to to branch out into something different so I put it out just to kind of get it out in the ether and make me feel more comfortable with myself that it's okay to move into a different genre that I'm not pigeonholing myself and you know that I do have that freedom to do these things that I want to do but yeah, it's, it's a bad song. It's a terrible song. My voice is crap on the singing parts. It's just, I want to redo it. How long was the space between you releasing that as a, as a, like a hip hop track? How long did it take you to release? Um, I think it was a couple of months because I had put out, I put out one song before that one that I was relatively okay with. That one, I didn't really advertise it too much because it was like a test quote unquote song of just like, you know, to see... <laughs> if I could feasibly do hip hop music. And then I put out this other one, I found a beat that I really liked, I was really inspired to write it. I wrote it, I recorded it, I put it out, and then I started to hate it, and I wanted to do something else to move past it, and then I got the idea for for the EP and whatnot. A month or so, maybe a little bit more give or take between the release of that one and then my, I guess my first official track, because it's the only one that's on Spotify that's supposed to segue into the EP or album or whatever it is I end up doing. And that took a lot because I feel like um, I kind of reeled back from doing the hip hop stuff for a bit because I was almost like ashamed of the way that this track was. This uh, this one of it almost like kind of moved me away from doing hip hop music altogether. But I didn't want to let it, I didn't want to let this be um, what stops me from from venturing into this this creative outlet that I really wanted to try and explore. So I clenched my sphincter and I pulled the trigger and I put out this other song <laughs> and it ended up becoming or it's going to be the title track for my EP. And that one, it's 
been doing pretty well and I'm, I'm relatively confident in my abilities again between that and some of the other rough tracks that I have that I haven't recorded yet that I've showed people so the one song was just a one-off and I have good I have a good plan to redo it down the road revisiting something's always nice there's there's a few there's a couple of drawings that I've had to revisit over the years just because I feel like I've gotten better and I didn't do them justice and I've I, I'm, I'm gearing up to do another one one, one of them was a uh, back in 2016 I had drawn Joel and Ellie as from The Last of Us so I could at the time I, I didn't know that I was going to do this but I ended, it up, I ended up making prints of them and selling them at Tucson Comic Con which was one of the most uh, I'm going to say it was a milestone in like my career as an artist and it it happened completely out of the good graces of the the person who ran Tucson. And this is this is a complete tangent. I'm sorry, but um, I had You're good man. My spot for the booth in the artist alley, and between me reserving my spot, which I paid uh, I think three hundred dollars for. My, my dog got sick immediately afterwards. So I took my dog to the vet. His bill ended up being around the same amount of money. So when finally the Tucson Comic Con processed the payment, it didn't go through. So I, I kind of got an email saying, hey, you know, like we tried processing your, your payment. It didn't go through. We just wanted to know if you still planned on attending. And I, I just told him like, hey, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. My, my dog got sick and you know, I, I can't attend this year, but you know, next year, absolutely. And I got a reply back. I guess, I guess the person who emailed me kind of forwarded it to the 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 woman who ran Tucson Comic Con, and she said, you know, animals are very precious to us. But what also is very precious is having local artists come and showcase their work at Comic Con. So, you know, we'll we'll give you your art you can you can sell your work completely on me and i was like oh my god that was so nice of her she did not have to do that and the very rewarding experience that's super cool i didn't know that they did stuff like like i've never been to a comic-con before i've always wanted to go it's still a book to get like essentially a free space and just because the lady was nice that's super awesome what was that experience like overall like were people well receptive to uh to your artwork did you have more stuff beyond that last of us portrait i've been doing fan art for a long time so i had at that point i had god it was it was like this it was uh an x-men movie that came out so i had um i had the walking dead that was really popular i had norman reedus's character kind of like side by side holding a revolver i also had um i had uh a Batman portrait. I had a Joker portrait, which I sold out of. Everybody loved Heath Ledger, the, the Heath Ledger Joker. I had uh, I had a good amount of fan art there, and I I sold a pretty good amount. And there was also some originals that I that I had. They weren't all prints, but the originals were pretty pricey. Which you know, uh, you know, I wasn't gonna undersell myself just because I was at a at a like event, you know. But I, I just <laughs> thought, you know, maybe maybe someone would have that amount of money in their wallet. I was selling 11 by 14 inch pieces of uh, or pieces at like 80 bucks. And now, oh, God, I, I've 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 gone up since then. But 
it it was it was a very rewarding rewarding i met some people there um i i did not realize how many resources there were just locally for people to have their artwork published in a book and printed out and you know distributed or how many just artists in general are within tucson you know it's tucson comic con was a great work i feel I wish I was a little more, I had enough confidence in myself to, to walk up to more people and just introduce myself. That would, that would have been something I would, I would have, I would do differently if I had the chance to do it again, but definitely go to Comic-Con. It's, it's a lot of fun. That sounds fucking cool, man. So like overall was the, uh, the artistic community and whatnot, like at, at an event like Comic-Con, w- was it very like welcoming and receptive of of you was probably one of many artists there just kind of to showcase stuff i don't know if that oh, everybody everybody was really receptive the only yeah no no there, there was a sense of community you know like you you did have see the the artist alley because it takes place at at tcc everything was on the same on the same i guess space it was in the same space so you had artist alley it was very conveniently located next to uh prominent comic book writers and illustrators so you had all of like us as independent artists selling their little prints and t-shirts and stickers and and keep and and then you had like the big boys across the aisle that were selling you know like a a writer off of a marvel comic who went to do their very niche off topic comic for themselves that they were selling but they were always so welcoming and and very encouraging so it, it, it was really nice and there it's to hang out for the most part as well it's it's as much a social event as it is a an event to attend for you know getting merch or cosplaying there there's there's a love for artists there because obviously artists make the whole thing possible did you get to meet anybody like any any artists or writers or anything that you really wanted to talk to and get like advice from i was too busy at my table guarding my stuff uh, <laughs> so <laughs> i i went off i think I, I i went off twice um just to go look around my my mom had showed up and i i had my friend at the time she was also my booth babe uh shout out to ariana hello and you know, she she also went off and she got me a she she bought me a pin, which is like a, an anime character in a maid outfit. That I it's kind of an inside joke. I, I was a janitor at Old Navy for seven years, and one of the Halloweens I dressed up as a maid, um, full full maid outfit. Like I'm talking French maid. I'm talking short skirt <laughs> and 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 ripped because I didn't know how to put them on. Ripped uh, fishnets. I adorable as hell but there yeah she found a pin that looked very much like me and brought that back and that was great but yeah i was i was i was way too busy guarding my my things to really to go and socialize but i i would have loved to to look i mean next time i'll attend as a fan and not as a creator i can get that side of the experience dude that's fantastic if there's if there's a picture or anything of that that exists i need to see it at some point that sounds hilarious as fuck oh i'll send it to you after this is over yeah it's great uh, <laughs> that's awesome beautiful. 
<laughs> oh god and just the way that i know you now with the mustache and everything it's it, it's a gloriously terrifying image in my head <laughs> oh yeah no it's it's not something that that should be shown off proudly but i make an event to show people like it, it's one of my finer moments i, lo- I, lo- I love that made out i don't know what the hell happened to it that thing is lost still it's a bold choice you went with it and you just and you own the hell out of it dude that's awesome you think about something like that if you ever if you you feel like you want to approach people about your art and stuff that's nothing compared to showing up to work dressed as a french maid (laughs) yeah you know you're right i i do have the 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 sort of air about myself to i should do that more because if i right if i can dress up as a french maid and just get get my job done at work and then clock out and then ride or cycle back home afterwards absolutely yes i could i could talk to people <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's amazing so what's what's the most difficult um medium that you work with is there anything that like is kind of like the bane of your existence that you're trying to master i ooh, i recently picked up acrylic painting i did a that my friend josette had sent me she's a she's a very great photographer in Flagstaff and uh, she had sent me this this photo that she took at night with the moon behind some very dense pine trees and it was it's a gorgeous photo and I tried I, I, I used that as a reference for this painting and it came out a lot better than I thought it was for someone who had not painted in about 10 years that never really had a positive experience with the stuff it I, I, I really like the way it came out. So I, I want to maybe uh, maybe watch some Bob Ross while I'm doing it and try to paint along because he's, <laughs> he, he's so effortlessly done, that man. There you go. Find them happy little trees everywhere. That's a good idea. Happy little accidents. Happy little trees. <laughs> Is there anything that you haven't attempted to draw yet that you really want to? Absolutely, yes. The main entrance to the Cologne Cathedral in Germany that is the most beautiful work architecture i i would love to visit i would love to draw it i would love tattooed gothic architecture to its most perfect it's so well done it's the biggest inspirations and one of the reasons why i was an architecture major for a very short period of time in, in college um, it's it's a beautiful building. I would love to, to draw up. that. I'll have to look up a picture of that. Like I love Gothic architecture, but I can't recall like immediately what that looks like. But I'll have to find it and educate myself. Oh yeah, it. it I'll I'll send one along with the uh, with the maid outfit so you can <laughs> you can check it out. It's really awesome. it's really good. Let's get into uh, some of the deeper, harder hitting questions here. So you mentioned. Cool. Um, that you started off with uh, with the violin and whatnot, and then you moved to the mariachi, and then that didn't pan out because you had a bad teacher. What was your overall like? If that was in part of it or if in the entirety, but what was the overall inspiration to that had you get into to, to drawing and whatnot? Like, what made you want to go down that particular path? I was, I I was a kid who had so much of his creative identity wrapped up in the violin that I was bleeding to find something that I cared about as much. To have something, like, to have a creative outlet like the violin of part of your life 
for the entirety of your childhood going into young adulthood and then to have that stripped from you i felt very lost i didn't know what my identity was anymore i didn't know who i was going to be because i had always been that kid with the violin and i didn't have a violin at home so i i, I really couldn't practice and we didn't have it financially in the cards to get me one so i kind of picked up a pen and paper because everybody has that line around I, i had always doodled you know i the, i i remember my very first doodle of a person was this potato head looking fucker you know and <laughs> uh this was in kindergarten and i remember my friend nadid he walked up to me and he showed me a drawing of a person and he looked at mine and he's like why doesn't it have any legs and i was like oh my god he's right i just have a head with arms and and like what are supposed to be feet like it doesn't have the rest of the body and <laughs> i you know just silly things like that and i had also you know one of the things that i had drawn as a kid over and over and over again was a monster truck that my uncle drew for me i remember watching him draw it and he he gave me the photo or he gave me the drawing and i would trace it and trace it trace it over and over and over again until finally by looking at it right next to me so no longer tracing and then after i started getting getting the hang of that i i tried drawing it from memory and once i did that i kind of thought okay well i can you know i can pretty much draw I can draw. And so when when the violin was what anymore, I kind of fell back onto doing the one thing or the one other thing that I had always enjoyed doing, but I took it much more seriously after after losing the the violin. Okay. I understand that that's that's pretty heavy to to go through. I understand that feeling. I felt that way after I quit fire glass. and obviously to not the same extent because you know you had been playing the violin for a long time I was the singer for fire glass for only 3 years but I understand that feeling and the the desire to to find something else to kind of help like bring you the the proper creative outlet and then to just kind of bring yourself like creatively to bring yourself comfort and you know after I left fire glass that's why I started doing all the different things that I did So, I understand that feeling. It's not a fun feeling to deal with and it's a good thing that you you found something else to to go for with it and you're you're doing really well with it. I I like how I like how you started with it and with just by tracing and almost like developing that muscle memory and then going from there and expanding on that. Yeah, that was in in hindsight, you know, looking at little me like I'm I'm sitting in the room right now that I would draw that that monster truck in and you know I, i can vividly see little child me just at with a little uh, a notebook and a pen in his hand and tracing that monster truck over and over again and you know he, he little did he know the the type of of artist he would grow up to be i don't think he realized it at the time <laughs> That's awesome though, man. I would have never thought of just like starting with tracing. Like I know at one point in time I wanted to do stuff like that too. And um I had gotten a book mm-hmm. on how to draw anime and stuff and I was trying to just freehand everything and I just I couldn't do it and eventually I gave up. I would have never thought of trying like tracing first and 
I feel like that would have made the process a lot easier for me. And it sounds like it made it a lot easier for you. It does. Tracing, like so many people shit on tracing. I don't know why. It's a tool. You know, like there are countless, I can name any artist that ever exists ever. And I guarantee you that they trace something. And it's, it's a tool, you know, there's, I, you know, I would gladly admit that I have traced so many fucking things, especially like a rose. Roses are hard. When you're looking at something that's so complex, you have so many lines that go everywhere. And sometimes it's easier just to push out and trace over it. And then after a while, eventually when you've done 20 rose tracings, you finally get the, I could probably do this like without tracing it. And then you do, and then and you're surprised with yourself. So it's, it's a tool. It's a tool to be utilized. It's not, you know, don't rely on it all the time, but know that if you need to, you absolutely can. There, no one's going to shame you for it. I absolutely wouldn't, wouldn't dare shame anybody for tracing. That's so fascinating. That's something that I would have never thought of. And that's the kind of shit that I wanted to bring to light with doing a show like this, especially for mediums that I am not familiar with. I can't draw a stick figure. I've seen what my five-year-old daughter can draw. She draws better than I do at this mm -hmm. point. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, to, to be to be a child with, with just creativity and inspiration. Yeah, dude, exactly. My daughter is into painting right now, so that's, that's fun and mildly concerning depending on if she's supervised or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're gonna end up with a with a with a new uh, wallpaper that's uh made out of crayola crayons oh she's already drawn on my, but it's... Uh, my door oh okay yeah see perfect <laughs> the the cool thing about it is is that the cool thing about it is that you are a very creative and understanding person so you you, you know you're you're i have no doubt that you will foster any sort of creative outlet that she has I definitely want to. Me being me, obviously, I would love it if she got into music, but she's she's got it into singing, which excites me very much. So I plan on like utilizing that and working with it and, you know, fostering that more for her down the road. But there will come a time where I will give her the option to play an instrument and, you know, full on go into that with her. You know, if she wants to play the guitar or the bass or something, I'll teach her how to do that. And if she wants to do like, um, like a formal band instrument like the flute trombone trumpet whatever you know i want to i want to fully develop and and free the creative side of her like as much as possible that's one thing i've always admired about parents who who allow their kids to do whatever it is they want as far as something creative it's it's so freeing you know especially as a child to to be granted permission to suck at something and and you know like I, I i remember just picking up the violin as a kid and then sounding horrible but now like now that i picked it up again still absolutely sounding fucking atrocious i mean having a person around to say that it's okay you know like you, you're you're allowed to suck and you're allowed to do with this creative outlet whatever you'd like and know that you if you if you need help or guidance you know you would be there for your daughter or you know my my teacher would be there for me to learn something new and it's it's really nice that's it's a sign of a very i it's like a it, it's always nice to have a creative guide in life yeah yeah no I, I agree so how do you decide where to start with um with a project like when you get a new commission for something 
what are the kind of steps that go that go into to getting everything ready? Do you like visualize an outline first or do you visualize like detail at all? Or does that kind of stuff just come along the way? So if uh, so say you were to send me a photo of whatever it is, um, I would throw it into a into my phone phone or my, my phone photo editor and I would put a black and white filter on it and I would make it more um, more dramatic, I guess you could say. Like I would I would make the shadows more prominent. I'd also make the highlights a little bit stronger. And once I get it to a point where I feel like it would translate well to paper, just because it's my style, assuming that I could paint a drawing, uh, that's how I would do it. And after that, it's just a matter of laying down a outline. And here's here's the thing for outline, and this is why I, I say tracing is a tool. Um, the black paper, as as forgiving as it is to fix fix mistakes when I'm filling in the drawing, it's not as forgiving if I'm making an outline for the drawing. It's two different processes, and for some reason it hates outlines, but it loves being filled with color or white charcoal. So what I do is I get a piece of tracing paper and I draw what I need to tracing paper. And then I will go over on the other side of the tracing paper with my white chalk and then I would transfer it onto my black paper and then I trace it onto the the paper and then there it is there's my outline I don't there's there's very few times when I actually go from pencil straight to paper you know I've done it on a couple of live streams where I've just I've just you know uh, raw dogged it onto <laughs> onto black paper and it turned out great and there's other times where I've done it and it it horrible so you know uh, sometimes you 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 know depending on on you know the, the the position of the stars or whatever it it turns out perfect it sounds like you kind of try to utilize um, I guess just tech you know in general more than I guess than I would have previously assumed like changing it in your photo editor and everything first before even starting um, you know putting pen to paper and everything it's another thing I, I would have never guessed would have been a part of the process oh yeah yeah there's that I think that's one of the biggest ones because sometimes I get sent some reference photos that are absolutely blurry like I'm talking 2008 flip bad and <laughs> you know, there's there's just something about throwing it into a photo editor and kind of bringing out shadows more in in a blurry photo it it helps create the structure of the face a lot more like talking strictly portraits it 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 gives me you know a a jawline it gives me a a cheekbone it gives me a, a the the eye socket recess it gives me a, an eyelid or whatever and you know in in the in the case of a very blurry photo i usually ask for more reference photos so you know give me you know i i know they would want a very specific photo done but go ahead and send me three other photos of grandma just so i know that i'm not guessing where her features are on her face 
give me something else to work with because there's there's nothing worse than drawing somebody and then you you kind of realize like oh this isn't them so yeah the the prep on on the photo editor really does help is there uh is there a particular photo editor app or apps or program that you use that you want to throw in here just in case anybody else is is interested who might listen Uh, (laughs) just open a photo editor on your phone you'll have the basics you'll have highlights shadows contrast and uh if you're lucky something called definition it kind of brings brings out the form more um other than that no i you know i I can i can use any any phone that has any photo editor in it what would you say is the biggest hurdle with uh with your whole creative process what are some of the obstacles that you find yourself facing when you sit down to do a project uh sitting down and realizing that you don't have the motivation that you thought you did five minutes ago it's you know there there's i'm a i'm a very firm believer in getting if you can get your body to your brain will follow you know like and i get that from when i was going through physical therapy for my motorcycle accident i hated going to physical therapy like i i would go every day after old navy and you know as a person who worked on his feet as a janitor i was already very tired but I, I quickly learned that if I can get my body to the place, my mind will follow. And sometimes that translates to getting my ass into my chair at my drawing table. And sometimes the motivation finds me. Other times I am doodling on you know, a scrap piece of paper that I found in a drawer and I get absolutely nothing done other than that. But the cool thing is is that you you got your body to the place your mind didn't necessarily show up and that that kind of goes back to an old greek sort of uh, mythology of inspiration not necessarily being within you but it's something that you're granted by these little inspiration uh fairies that would live inside of the artist's studio and whenever whenever the artist would sit down in his studio it was you're at the mercy of the uh, of the inspiration fairy to either help you or hinder you which i always thought was very funny huh that's interesting i like that i get that feeling though too i'll i'll sit down with like you know i've got a beat that i want to write lay down lyrics to and i'll sit down and be like all right let's do this and then i listen to the beat forever over and over again on loop and I just I get nothing done I'm, I write maybe one line that I've changed 50 times and I walk away mm-hmm. from it with just absolutely nothing to to really show for it so yeah uh, just getting started is definitely one of the hardest parts of any sort of creative process do you ever or ha- has there ever been a time in, in you writing something like say say you have the beat right and then you're you're writing that first line 50 times has there ever been a time where you just have to like swallow your pride and just say you know what this is not gonna work at all and you just trap completely like you you just get rid of the beat get rid of the line and then move on to something else i've i've definitely had times where i felt that like i had a good momentum going and then i lost it and i go back and like read over what i'd written so far and was just like what the hell is this man and i'll scrap the the entirety of the lyrics altogether 
and then I'll put the beat on the back burner thinking, you know, maybe um, I'll come back to it at some point in the in the future. But yeah, I've, I've had moments like that where I start it and I'm just like, no, this isn't working. Screw it. And then I just walk away from it altogether. Okay. So you're, you're not afraid to just count your losses and just move on. No, I, I, I've learned enough of like, I've had to do a lot of rewriting and stuff with just every project I've been a part of since I became a vocalist. I've learned to not put out just the very first thing. And I'm very particular when it comes to my lyrics because there's a very, I have a very specific goal when it comes to writing each and every song that I write. So I'm almost something of a, like a perfectionist when it comes to my lyrics. If I write something, I think it sounds good. I'll let three or four people read it and give me feedback. And if one person says something is not right, I will fucking rack my brain mm. until I fix it so that everybody says this is solid. Like, I don't want to put anything out I like that I that. don't feel 100% on, you know? Yeah, it's, it's very nice to have people in your corner that you can go to like there there's people uh, in my life that I always run something by them for like a either if it's like a design element or if I'm working on a piece and I'm, I'm something's off but I don't know what it is it's nice to send something send it to somebody and be like hey you know like can you tell me what it is that's wrong because something might be wrong with it but I need fresh eyes, or in your case, fresh ears. And, you know, tell me what is going on. And it's it's really cool to have people that know you well to, to know that either something is off stylistically or something is wrong in, you know, the way, like say in your case, the way you worded something, or in my case, you know, something just looks weird and for them not to be afraid to let you know and it, it i love that i love having people like that oh yeah it, it's definitely helped when it comes to writing a lot of the stuff like at least like lyrically everything i've put out i've been pretty proud of but um i definitely i, I take my time and i'll if i'm trying to think of something a specific way because i, I don't like to be repetitive in my lyrics so <laughs> i spend a lot of time looking up um similes and and all that stuff similes metaphors anything like that to say what i want to say in a slightly different manner but that still fits the rhyming structure that i have set in place for a song and it's a very tedious process but i do it wow that's a that's wow i didn't know that that was a part of the process looking up similes and metaphors and wow that's yeah, really I cool just, I, I hate being repetitive if i use one word at the beginning of a particular four bars, I will not use the same word again. I, I have to find something different or I or I will scrap the entire section until I get it right. Wow, you must have a very well-read the source. It, it's it's coming along for sure. <laughs> so you mentioned your uh, your accident briefly there, and that was kind of one of the things I sort of wanted to bring up. You don't have to talk about anything that you don't want to, but I guess in, in relating to that, um, you know, the question was if there's been any events in your life that's kind of shaped or altered your creative process or opened you up to other outlets. Like when you were out of commission, did you did you try doing something else or did you at least think about exploring another like artistic medium or did you try drawing something that you hadn't drawn before because you were out of commission for a while? The very lucky thing about my accident is that I was T-boned on the left side. <laughs> if it was a right, I probably would have had a, a, a harder time getting back into the swing of things. But I, I really missed drawing when I was in the hospital. There was, there was one thing that I drew and it was the first drawing 
that I drew, which was a little sketch. It was just a skull with a cigarette in its mouth, and it says the uh, the bad times are killing me. Um, that was that was kind of like me getting getting trying to trying to get my head right and putting something out because I had not drawn in a while. But you know that that drawing, I think, or that accident, I I, I think it, it taught me a valuable lesson. Um, which is that not everything that I draw has to come from a bad place. Um, there was there was a very long time in my life where I just hated everything and everything about myself. And I spent years and years hating myself. And I remember one of the things that I told my buddy Alex, which it was good art does not come from a good place. And, you know, after my accident, after, you know, years and years of me saying uh, very dark jokes about, you know, wanting <laughs> wanting to die or whatever. Um, and then being in a situation where I absolutely did almost die. I, I realize now that I was very foolish in saying that no good art comes from a good place. I, I think there are many things that good art can come from. And, you know, a dark place is one of them, but there are an infinite amount of others. You know, I, I stopped being so uh, dark in that sense. And, you know, now I know that my art has much more life in it and, and beauty in it and celebration of life than it did before. Even though the medium has pretty much stayed the same, it's still very dark and in imagery but i everything comes from a, a, a very positive place and I, I i i love that now so it sounds like the it being in your accident really just kind of reshaped your perspective as a whole and uh it's very interesting to to bring that up that not um the the shift in your viewpoint with where your art comes from and everything because being doing or writing the music and stuff the way that i do my all of my music is all comes from a very dark place. I write a lot about dealing with a lot of personal emotional issues. I wrote one positive song, one happy song, one time. And it was with my band Tonight on Fire. And it ended up becoming a lot of people's like favorite song. And it was the weirdest thing to me because I don't normally write like happy, positive music, you know? Have you had a want or a sort of a, a desire to do something like that again? I've toyed around with the idea a little bit with it because I know I'm not going to be writing, you know, very um, 2008 hot topic angsty teen shit forever because my that's just because <laughs> <not laughs> that's just not the way that my life that my life is. But I like writing that stuff that's full of of uh, I guess pain for lack of a better word because it allows me to create something that other people who feel that way themselves can relate to it's a way to show people that they're not alone but i do want to try writing something positive you know i've toyed around with the idea of it and i think the first thing whenever i do do it is probably going to be to write something for my daughter and then you know take it from there but it's just such a weird thing because a lot of my uh, my lyrical identity is wrapped up in writing a lot of the dark and negative stuff to, to offer like a, a different perspective on it um as a creative person when when you're releasing your your artwork 
that you know constantly is from a pain from a place of of pain or from a darkness it your absolutely picks up on that and that's not to say that music of that subject matter or artwork of that subject matter that it, it isn't any less valid but it's always helpful to know that the person that's creating the arts at you know every once in a while feels something different and you you know it, it's nice to allow the audience in on that and for them to realize that as a person that partakes in consuming your artwork that the creator has allowed me to feel something other than the dark parts of themselves and so i will give myself permission to feel the 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 less dark parts of myself as a person and i i think that's why you know the songs or artwork the mold of a, of a person's usual work is become so popular because it's that one sliver of of celebration that or you know if they're always making positive music that when they release something that is uh, dark and heavy it becomes uh, well received because the same reason applies it's 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 nice to know that that person has more complex emotions than this one thing yeah i get that that makes a lot of sense i never really thought about that that's that's a very interesting take on it and i i'm i'm gonna try to, my hardest to internalize that and try to approach just writing something not so not so 2000s emo yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's not to say that, that uh that you have to force it out but you know when when inspiration strikes uh you know, follow it. It's it's always nice to to have a little something different. Yeah, no, for sure, man. I appreciate that insight. That's a way of looking at at the creative process, or at least in, uh, interpreting my creative process, way different than I really thought mm -hmm. about before. Oh, cool. Hey, I'm glad. Uh, I'm you know, I'm glad as a fellow creative person who has only touched music once in their life as a as a writer and a vocalist. I'm glad that little piece helped. Yeah, no, definitely, man. Maybe little, 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 little shower thought. You're welcome. <laughs> so, do you have any? Um, have you experienced any any haters or anything in just doing what you do? Any like uh, like gatekeepers or anything like that? And if so, how do you deal with it? Oh man, uh, I'm gonna say for the most part, absolutely not. Um, there's, you know, every, every, I think gatekeepers are more in the realm of not necessarily a particular medium, but more about the, the style or the subject matter. Like I, I mentioned earlier, I did a lot of fan art. There's, there's plenty of gatekeeping and fan art communities, you know, um, there's some people who don't appreciate artistic liberty and there's others who feel like artistic liberty is all you uh, all you should do because the norm has already been done and is out I mean, overplayed or overdrawn or overperformed. So I, I don't really, I don't really run across gatekeepers anymore. Uh, haters, not necessarily. 
Um, I have had my artwork reported on the social medias just because of the subject matter. It's a lot of new artwork. Um, I feel like uh, at one point it was from a jealous boyfriend. I have gotten messages. What do you think you're doing? Like, this isn't something for you to see. And I was like, dude, it's like, you're lady king of me to draw her to as a <laughs> birthday gift or like a Christmas gift or a Valentine's gift, you know? Like, it's it, it didn't come from anything. I, I paid to do it and oh, you can read the messages. I, it was very professional, very respectful, and nothing but love and just excitement to have you look at it. So I think those are mainly the haters that I I do get. Yeah, I, I can see how that would be a little bit of a volatile thing uh, to do because a lot of guys are so prone to, to unnecessary jealousy. You might want to repeat that whole sentence because I did not hear you. Oh, okay. Um, I can see how I can see how doing the those those the nude sketches that you do would be a very could be a very volatile thing to kind of get into because so many guys are uh, are prone to jealousy. But it's good that you don't let it like you don't let it deter you. You you handle it with you handle it with a gentleman's grace and you keep going. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I try. You know, for for the most part, I think the I think the woman handles it for me. You know, it's. It's the money came out of her bank account. And so, you know, it's, it, it was, it was, it was from a place of, of love and excitement that a gift wanted to be given. And it was just sad that it was kind of received as a, as a, you know, sort of negative thing. But that, that doesn't really happen as much anymore. I've, I've been doing, I've been doing, nude artwork for five years now and i think most of it was very early on in this when when i start and now it it doesn't really happen do you have any advice for any other people any other up-and-coming artists who you know even just dip their toe in anything that you do any kind of tips or tricks or words of wisdom for anybody to kind of help push them in the in the right direction Mm, i think and uh this is one thing that i remember saying uh, as a as a guest speaker at the University of Arizona, because I, I was asked to be a part of a an art gallery over there and and to also be a guest speaker. But uh, one thing I remember saying uh, is find something that interests you and relentlessly pursue it to the ends of the earth. I still believe that to be true. Yeah, no, definitely. It, it's. It's it can be tough at times when you you are pursuing it because sometimes the 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 fire you know kind of dies a little bit and if, if or when that happens to you how do you uh, how do you rekindle that flame? Ooh, that's a really good question. I think it comes from or, or I think the way that I rekindle it again is I go back to the the things that inspire me at the most basic level um i i I do have this this belief that things that that we were interested in at at a very young age are are core parts of our of our creative sort of foundation um when i when i was younger i you know obviously but also i was really into uh, cemetery sculptures and i like greek and and roman sculpture work i love architecture and so 
whenever I feel the the creative spark start to sort of disappear or dwindle, I, I go back to to classical music, or I go back to looking at architecture, or I go back to looking at sculptures, and that always helps sort of recenter the creative pilot and me uh, light it again. Okay, that's that's good advice. I like that. That's that's something that I kind of struggle with on and off lately, uh, as far as when it comes to my music and whatnot. Is just feeling that fire die and not really knowing how to properly relight it. But I like that idea of just going back to the very basic, um, the very basic things, the very basic interests that kind of set you down that path in the first place, and and having that be yeah. the, be the kindling to relight the fire. I like that a lot. So when as a musician when your fire dies do you is it more the fire that fuels the the, the lyrical content or is it more fire that fuels the the process it's of creating music i think it's it's more it's more the fire that fuels the uh, the creative process as a whole is is the one okay. the one the one that I tend to struggle with a lot. And you know there's there's a lot of just in dealing with just my general personal life stuff, but not being able to not being able to be as as properly creative as I want to or at least making myself believe that. You know, I've got two guitars here. There's absolutely no reason why I can't sit down and write. So it's it's just it's rekindling that initial fire that makes me want to pick up a guitar or pick up my bass or um, or, you know, or start writing or, or look for a new beat or something, you know, the one that really gets the ball rolling is, is the one that I keep, it keeps going out and I'm trying to like relight it permanently. Yeah, I think uh, the, the relighting permanently, I, I think, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the ebbs and flows of life, like, you know, coming from, oh, you know, when I was, when I was working at Old Navy, and my maid outfit uh <laughs> i was i was you know i was working as a janitor i was in at and i was out by nine o'clock in the morning same day it was it was a four-hour shift and i had the rest of the day to do whatever the hell i wanted to do so i would come home and i would i would draw and now that you know i i have a an adult job as a welder that you know i'm in at say seven seven thirty and i'm out by for five o'clock it's it's a lot harder to find myself at my drawing desk and and picking up the pencil it's you know i'm i'm tired <laughs> you know it it sucks and i'm sure it's the same for you you know being a dad and then also having to work overnights at at your uh, you work at a clinic right or a, or a hospital I work. Uh, I worked at a hospital for a while. Yeah. No. I work now at um, at an inpatient rehab facility. I help treat people who are coming through detoxing from drugs and alcohol, and also dealing with like depression and anxiety and stuff. And I work overnight. Okay. And I, help, I help with medication and then just kind of monitoring, making sure everybody makes it through the night. You know. Right. So yeah. Even in that is instance, you know, you know, I have I have these injuries from an accident, and I'm doing physical labor that's very taxing on the body who doesn't have injuries and i come home and i'm tired and then you know people like yourself who work in the medical field you're on your feet for you know your your 12-hour shift from fucking seven at night to seven and, and then dealing with the patients that you deal with it's very emotionally taxing i can imagine 
you know oh, it's, definitely. it's seeing these people yeah seeing these people in, in the state that they're in and just trying to help them and to keep a very calm demeanor takes a lot out of you so there's there's no shame in coming home as much as as we want to say that we are bad creative individuals for not doing our jobs as creatives to create it's you know there, there are so many factors that that are at play against us and it's okay to to say you know i'm just gonna come home and i'm gonna rest and it's okay to do that that's really good to hear from uh from an outsider you know i that's that's definitely one thing i feel like i shoot myself in the foot a lot over is i put a lot of pressure on myself to constantly be you know be creating be to be writing to be playing a guitar or something and i always feel like i don't know like i let myself down or something when i come home from work or if i wake up after you know sleeping all morning after working to just not really wanting to do anything but that that understanding that because of life and whatnot that it's it's okay it's it's very helpful and it's very comforting to hear from uh, from another person good i'm glad yeah you 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 know, we we need to hear it you know where it, it's so easy for us to be frustrated with ourselves but you know say talk talk to anybody and, and tell them what it is that you do for a living and then what it is that you do for for fun or as a passion and you'll you'll probably get an answer like wow like i didn't know you do all that like going back to what we were talking about earlier like we, it, it's it's a, it's very involved and it's it takes a lot both physically and mentally to be a creative person and sometimes it's just not in the cards man like, you know so i'm glad it, it it's a little comforting to know that it's okay to slow down and you know no one's going to be angry if you take a day off yeah yeah i get it man i appreciate it though it's it's very it's very comforting advice to know that i'm not the only one who feels the need to take the time off and it, it makes it helps a lot to just you know knowing that i'm not the only one makes it less likely for me to just you know put so much pressure on myself to do it even when when i don't feel inspired when the the inspiration fairies aren't hanging out in my office here You're welcome. so all right man we're gonna wrap it up here. This is a fantastic fucking conversation, and I could easily sit and talk with you forever about it. But we've all got shit to do, and it's getting kind of late in the night here. So before we sign off here, uh, is there any last little little bits of anything that you want to throw out there? Um, do you have any socials or anything that you want to plug for people to go and check out your work and whatnot? Ooh, okay, yeah, sure. Well, well all right. I sell art prints. Uh, a lot of it has to do with fan art. A lot of it has to do with. Uh, uh, serial killers. Um, I'm into true crime and stuff like that. Uh, I'm also a big fan of of hip hop, which I, I want to talk to you about because I uh, I have some artists that you should look up. And this was a conversation that I remember hearing in your first episode about the things that you did not realize were a part of hip hop, but very introspective stuff. Um, I have some artists to show you and maybe they'll they'll become new favorites but um blindlibertyart.com and if you'd like to follow me on social media blind liberty art collective collective is with the k there's an underscore separating all those words so blind underscore liberty underscore art underscore 
<laughs> collective. <laughs> I got it. I got to I got to fix that. But um, yeah, those those are the two places where you can either support me by following or support by buying something. If you like what you see, please let me know. Awesome. Oh, definitely. One last thing. Uh, Blind Liberty Art Collective, that's that's not a thing that I necessarily run on my own. I have a very good friend. If you're listening to this, thank you for everything you've ever done for me. And um, we will rule the world someday. <laughs> there it is. Shout out to Danny for sure, man. Yeah, she's a she's a very a very just her graphic design work is amazing, and she's one of my biggest inspirations. And as well as uh, my friend Kitty, she's also she does a lot of artwork. Um, I'm just trying to start plugging people. Please stop me. Let's let's call this, <laughs> let's call this a day. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool, man. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time and and hanging out and having the conversation fantastic i look forward to editing it listening to it back and whatnot and yeah dude send me send me those other artists so i can check them out and i definitely need to see that made photo and uh got it doing a a follow-up episode here down the road or something with you all right you can have me on you'd like i would absolutely love to do this again oh yeah definitely man so yeah send me all that stuff and then uh, i'll touch base and i'll see if i can send you like a rough recording of this before i fully put it out and let me know what you think okay cool Got it. all right steve well all thanks right. again Sounds man good man take care and have a good night buddy all right have a good night go uh go make dinner all right everyone that's gonna do it for this episode of the show i hope you enjoyed my conversation with steve-o i had a blast talking to him and honestly i could sit and talk to him forever about his creative process I really enjoyed picking his brain. I gained a lot of awesome insight into what makes him tick on a creative level, and he helped me flip the way that I see things with my songwriting and overall motivation. So be sure to check him out on the socials. I promise you won't regret it. Remember to support his work, buy a shirt or something. I apologize to Danny. The audio kind of cut out a bit when Steve mentioned her name initially. But be sure to leave me any feedback so I can keep making this show better, and stay tuned for the next one to see who I have on and where the conversation takes us. Thank you to everyone who checks this out. I greatly appreciate the support. So until next time, stay safe and keep it right here on Writer's Block.